It is so good to hear music in this sanctuary. I am eager for the day when we gather together again in this place and sing the great songs of the faith. And I've been so grateful and proud of the way our community has gathered together in different ways in this time. Stepping up in mission, uh, you can find on our website, PillarChurch.com, some opportunities to serve well, uh, food insecure families in our community, healthcare workers in our community, so please hop on to PillarChurch.com and uh, find the COVID-19 response link. Uh, it would also be a great help to us if you would uh, update your profile on Breeze, that's like the church's directory online. There's also an email we've set up, care at pillarchurch.com. Uh, for any need, uh, any of you who are watching this might have. We have people who have asked how they can help. If you have a need, we'd love to do our best uh, to address it. And then, of course, because the mission and ministries of the church continue, uh, we are grateful for your financial support. There's a give link on the website. It's the upper right uh, corner of the site. You can click there and uh, be given multiple ways of supporting the mission and ministry of the church. I was in a conversation uh, yesterday, actually, with a pastor, a friend of mine. We were checking in with each other, caring, trying to care for each other, doing one of those Zoom uh, calls we were remembering together the first day the church went online basically exclusively. I think it was March 15. He was reflecting on his Sunday morning experience. They were doing a live stream of their service. He was walking through the lobby of their church, and there was no one there. It was empty. And it was overwhelming to him. He choked up, he broke down, and I understood exactly what he was talking about. This is an unfamiliar space for us. Even with the familiarity of the font and the promise of the table and the space that we love, and this day, Palm Sunday, this high holy day of the Christian year, this familiar day when the kids are supposed to be traipsing down the center aisle, awkwardly waving their palms, waiting for the service to be done to turn them into swords and pick a fight in the parking lot. The familiarity of this day in such unfamiliar circumstances. Rather than heading to the grocery store to buy Easter eggs to fill with all sorts of sugar goodness, you're rationing your grocery store runs and deciding who in the family is strong enough to make them. Actually, you're supposed to be on spring break right now. You're supposed to be in warmer climates and sandier places. Instead, you didn't pack your bags, but are rather making plans to put together face masks for healthcare professionals this familiar day this familiar space in such unfamiliar circumstances. I was talking to a pillarite earlier this week. He's almost 90 years old. Uh, you know, that's like a century. He, he, that means the Great Depression. That means World War II. That means Vietnam and all of what that means. And he said to me, I've never seen anything like this. It's all so unfamiliar which actually, for our purposes now, might just open our eyes a little wider and ready our hearts a little quicker to hear the familiar story of this day. 
though Palm Sunday has become familiar to us, the circumstances that prompted it were crisis. Jesus holding the crisis of the world in his heart, the very crisis of his life just before him. And this is the story that unfolds. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethphage and Bethany, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, immediately you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back immediately. And they went away. And they found the colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some bystanders said, what are you doing? Why are you untying it? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. They brought the colt to Jesus, and they laid their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Others laid their cloaks on the road, Others took leafy branches they had plucked and laid them on the road. Those who went in front of them and behind him were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. He entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And he looked around at everything. And as it was dark, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. It's the Palm Sunday story. It's the triumphal entry narrative. It's in Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. I realize you have only a few minutes left before your kids absolutely lose it, so I'll try to make this quick. I don't want you to leave this Palm Sunday without contending with the announcement Jesus is making, without praying the prayer the people were saying, and without holding the deep hope of the whole world. I don't want you to leave this Palm Sunday without contending with the announcement Jesus is making. Jesus said to the two disciples, This is verse 2. Go into a village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. And they knew exactly what he was talking about. The miracle worker, the way maker, asking for a donkey, a colt. This was an announcement. Jesus was borrowing from the prophet Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious as he humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Notice the disciples didn't ask any questions. Questions would be superfluous in this moment. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying then, what I want you to hear now, the king is on the way. The king is coming. The king is here. Jesus Christ is king. And they knew it. And they went and did exactly as he had told them. Now here's the thing. Here's the deal. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ is as true today as it was five weeks ago, as it was 2,000 years ago. 
And yet the way of his rule is as confounding to us now as it was to them then. They didn't expect the king to come and go to a cross. They didn't expect the king to show up and head to a grave. They had victory in mind. They had triumph in mind. And that's not the way the king goes just yet. The king actually goes the way of suffering. The king actually goes the way of pain. The king actually comes by way of weakness. I like the way John Calvin puts it. We may patiently pass through this life with its misery, cold, contempt, reproaches, and other troubles, content with this one thing, that our king will never leave us destitute, but will provide for our needs until our warfare ended. We are called to triumph. That's our king. Our king takes on the anxiety of the age. Our king takes on the suffering of the day. Our king takes on the pain sympathizes with isolation and desperation and exhaustion, empathizes with the sting of loss and the sadness of depression and the weight of trauma. That's our king. I was uh, with some friends earlier this week, and when I say with, I mean I was all alone in my cellar basement on a Zoom call with two pastors somewhere down south in North Carolina, way warmer there than here, and another friend in a different cellar across uh, around the corner from my house, We were just checking in with each other, trying to care well for each other. One of them asked, what are y'all thinking about theologically? We all agreed lament. We've got to find a way to speak the sadness with hope. Another one said the cross. And went on to say, we too easily read the cross through the lens of triumph, which it is, the triumph over sin and death, but too quickly pass over the cross as suffering. God suffered. God took on suffering. That's our king. So wherever you are, whatever you know, if you're exhausted today because you've been working hard or you're waiting for the work still to come, if you're buried beneath the weight of the kids running around, if you're carrying the ache of a world in your heart This is Palm Sunday, and I don't want you to miss the announcement Jesus is making. The king is on the way, the king who goes the way of suffering. I also don't want you to leave this Palm Sunday not praying the prayer the people were saying. Uh, You know it. We shout it on Sundays like this one. Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna! That's the prayer they were praying. It means Jenna pointed it out earlier and Cheryl helped us sing it a few minutes ago. It means God save us. Surely they were praying it with the anticipation the king was on the way. The cavalry was coming. Victory was at hand. But they couldn't institute their prayer They couldn't legislate the reality of the king. They could only pray in hope. They could only pray Hosanna in anticipation. Is he the one? Could this be? Is it now? Hosanna, God, save us. It's more lament and plea than it is victorious triumph. God, save us. That's Palm Sunday. 
So I want to invite you to pray on this Palm Sunday. I want, you to, I want to invite you to pray Hosanna. Hosanna as we remember those in Italy. Hosanna as we remember those in New York and Seattle and New Orleans and Detroit. Hosanna as we remember those who are working hard on the front lines of COVID. Hosanna as we think about those who are overwhelmed with anxiety and overcome with sadness. Hosanna, God. Save us. One of the things that's just struck me about all of this, uh, the church and all of its functioning and all of its doing and all of its activities has given way to something new, new rhythms. We're trying to figure it out. Don't let me trick you into thinking we actually know what we're doing. Each day is a new adventure. And all of the things we've been doing now, not, not just the church, but I'm guessing you too, all of the things we've been doing, all of the things that occupy our days and distract our hearts and our minds have given way now. And you find yourself more in touch with what's going on in the deep inside. I wonder if we could take Palm Sunday seriously in this way and pray. Hosanna. God, save us. I got an email, a couple of them actually this week, from a few of you pointing me to a prayer by our dear brother Neil Plantinga. It's called A Prayer to God in Anxious Times. Gracious God, champion of the universe, we so often fluff ourselves up. Aren't we the only creatures who compose masterpieces of music and art? Don't we govern ourselves, enrich ourselves, promote ourselves? Can't we dunk basketballs, bat baseballs, spike volleyballs? Aren't some of us masters of comic irony? Other creatures don't practice rocket science. We do. And yet, here we are. Great and quiet source of peace. Quiet our fears. We are wary, uncertain, strung, tight. Quiet our fears. We have no idea what the future will bring, but we do know you will be in our future to hold us there. Hosanna. God save us. I don't want you to walk away from this Palm Sunday without at least an invitation to prayer, to pray the prayer the people were saying. And to hold the deep hope of the whole world. So Mark 1 through 11, it's such an interesting story. It's sort of spliced into the overall narrative of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's preceded by blind Bartimaeus begging on the roadside. It's followed by the fig tree that doesn't bear any fruit, no figs for that tree. Every other story in the Gospel of Mark seems uh, to present some sort of conflict, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teacher of the law, putting Jesus, teachers of the law putting Jesus to the test. The plot thickens. The plans are being put in place to put an end to this anarchist. But not Palm Sunday, not the triumphal entry. It goes without conflict. The people start shouting. They throw their coats on the road. The palm branches are waving. The announcements are being made. It just happens and it's never referred to again in the gospel. No talk of the donkey. It's just so interesting to me. And in this short story that isn't referred to ever again in the gospel of Mark, there's so much time and ink spent on the colt and the bystanders who might just possibly resist someone taking it. 
How odd. It's only 11 verses and nearly half of them are given to the exchange between getting the colt and the bystanders resisting it. Jesus knew they would, and they do, and then they allowed them to take it. We don't know their names. We, have no, we know nothing about their stories. We only know this about them. They allowed them to take it. They had heard of this miracle worker. They knew about this way maker. And when he asked for the donkey, they knew exactly what he was saying. And they hoped, maybe just maybe he was the one. Take it. Have it. Go. We'll happily be wrong just in case he might be the one. Take it. You can have it. A deep hope that led to a simple action. We never know their names. We never hear their stories. We just know they did the simple thing. A deep hope that leads to a simple action. That's Palm Sunday. We can simultaneously pray Hosanna to the only one who can save and make masks for medical workers. We can simultaneously pray, Hosanna, God save us, and hand out food to food insecure families in our community. We can simultaneously pray, Hosanna, God save us, and stay safe, stay home. We can simultaneously pray, Hosanna, and in deep hope, practice simple acts of faithfulness, like being kind to your spouse amidst the confusion of the household, like sending the text of kindness like making a palm, waving it, sending us a picture. I know you're not put together right now. You're still in your pajamas. Send us a picture anyway because the man at Freedom Village who hasn't seen his wife in three weeks as she's isolated in the inn needs to see your face. Simple acts born out of deep hope. That's Palm Sunday. On Tuesday, Pastor Jenna got a a phone call that our dear sister Sarah Bowen, uh, it looked like the end was near for Sarah. You might know Sarah. She, she sits in the back of the sanctuary, usually on the edge of her walker with an oxygen tank next to her. Uh, her story uh, to Pillar is a fascinating one. If I have the details right, she was sitting on the edge of her walker at a bus stop on a Sunday morning, not aware that the buses in Holland don't run on Sunday mornings. A Hope student driving by saw her, realized her predicament, and asked her if she needed anything. She said, yeah, I want to go to church. He said, where? She said, I don't care. He brought her here. We're not always the best at it, but in this case, we stepped up and participated in the very thing we say about ourselves, a place where your name is known, your story heard, your question honored, and Sarah became a part of our life. And when the pandemic, the lockdown, it all took place, Sarah was on the list of people who were being called to ask three questions. How are you? What do you need? How can we pray? And she said, oh, I I need a Whopper and a raspberry shake by five o'clock this afternoon. I don't think she got the Whopper, but I'm pretty sure she got the shake. Uh, Tuesday, Jenna, Pastor Jenna, got a call that the end was near for Sarah. Uh, Wednesday, it was clear there were only, there were only hours Jenna got an exception to make a visit. She had to be, had her temperature taken on her way into the hospital. Uh, Faithful, careful hospital workers, otherwise eerily quiet. She made her way into Sarah's room. She was now non-communicative at that point. Pastor Jenna offered care, offered presence, offered prayer. There were two pillarites sitting in the room. 
Jenna left, and just a few hours later, got a phone call from those two pillarites that dear Sarah had breathed her last. When they called to tell Pastor Jenna, they also shared what the last few moments of Sarah's life were like. They reported they were reading the Bible aloud. They were reading from the book of Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Those were the last words Sarah heard. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. And Paul in Galatians goes on, Stand firm, therefore. And Sarah stood firm in resurrection. And I want you to stand firm now in hope. I want you to stand firm in everyday, ordinary acts of faithfulness. That's Palm Sunday. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.